five, four, three, two. Hey, welcome to another episode of One Dive at a Time. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, the founder and director of Neptune Warrior. We're out here live on site today at the Marcin Island, is it Marcin Island Ponds? Marcin Island Park. And uh, so I'm out here with uh, Kim Christensen, who is part of Team Rubicon, which of special interest to us, not only because of the veteran tie-in, but also she has a very special time with the community, lives out here, and also understands a lot of the veterans. Now, as I spoke to you about in a previous episode, we talked about that this is really the, the place where veterans go to find a little bit of relief. So, Kim, welcome today. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming. This means so much to the community. Um, a lot of people forget Marsing's kind of on the map, so... For people to come out here and spend the time to invest in the community, we've really built it over the last two years. Two or three just, I mean, built a lot because there weren't services, resources. Um, When community mapping, you know, we sat down at the hub and we looked at things like no pharmacy, no transportation, no VFW, no Meals on Wheels, no Senior Center. Um, there is a large, there's a large group of veterans that live in this area, um, World War II, Korean, Vietnam, and then there was a gap, and now we're starting to have a lot more uh, veterans that are just retiring, coming out here looking for peace, their own ranch. There is a, there's nonprofits out here. They are more geared toward like Rising Light Ministries. It's a horse ranch that, you know, really helps rehabilitate kids, teens, because there was an kind of an age gap here for a while. You would have people over 50 and people, you know, under 25. Once they hit 18, they want to go to the big town, right? right? <laughs> and so now that gap's starting to fill in, and you're really starting to see as things grow. I mean, we have a food bank now. We have a senior center. We've got Meals on Wheels. There's no transportation that comes out here. So the hard part for veterans, if they're not mobile or homebound, how do they get their prescriptions? Right. How do they get in town to see their doctors? There's no Uber. There is no anything. So these are a lot of things we really looked at. And this pond right here, you can come down here almost any given day of the week, and the shores will just be lined with people. But you can really come down here, especially like Monday through Friday. And these first couple docks here, you'll see, you know, some elders out there fishing. And I really don't think they care if they catch a fish. They just want the time. This is their time, their special space. Um, Like I was eating my lunch out here the other day. I work in the area. Well, my office is in the area. I work all over Idaho, basically. But the Grace Assisted Living Center was here with the bus. And they will take special planned trips out to places like this where they just, they want to fish. They want that peace. They want to see the beauty. They 
it is really important. Now it's 13 miles to Caldwell and 11 miles to Homedale. Right. So Nothing Homedale, in between. another small town. And from Boise, where the veteran services are at, 20x miles? 38. 38 miles. 38 miles. So it does give a place of tranquility. I remember that when I gave the warning order for this, that there were people that were like, wait a minute, <laughs> where is that place? I'm familiar because I, you know, and the, and the name of it, and it's always been, uh, the name, the town's been associated <laughs> with being the gateway to the Oahis. Yeah. And so I've always come out this way. Had always looked at this little pond. And I think in the back of my mind, like every diver is, man, I wonder what's under the water there. Would love to dive that. Um, <laughs> Shocking, not what we thought. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, so we pulled out, it, oh, it was boy. great because, you know, we are helping, you know, we are helping that community. We pulled out some trash today and, and things like that. I was really surprised at, it's been 40 years since this has been cleaned or even drained. And I was really surprised that we didn't have just mountains of trash and it means that the people are taking care of a resource that they have. Tell me a little bit about the history of this place. So um, there is a great, it's not really a book, it's called, it's Oral Histories of the Marsing Bridge and 2018 a gal had interviewed some people in the age range of 80, 90 and really talked to them about the bridge, this pond, this area what Marsing was like, how it evolved. And of course, uh, this right here where we're at is a historical site. It was Froman's Ferry. And there's only a couple of ferries in the area. And the other one's more down by like Map Rock, Melba area. And for the last hundred years, this is how people got back and forth across the Snake River, you know, whether it was in covered wagon or their T model Ford or. And so this has really been a part of Idaho and as times evolved and they put the first bridge in it was like the old metal bridge you know the kind you see that are from the 40s and this bridge we have now is the third bridge um, every time they evolved this this island here and the fishing pond they put in playground they've got the bathrooms garbage cans it has become a place for Man, everything from birthday parties to, you know, boat launches, fishing. It is a real, it's a real community spot. People come from all over to stop here. You can find birds of, I think we've probably seen, what, 10 different kinds today? Oh, yeah. Mm, from, oh, yeah, woodpeckers to the ospreys to the eagles. It's quiet. It's tranquil. But there's always fish. <laughs> there's always fish in the pond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's so. We had actually quite a few reports today of people uh, scurrying up fish, and you know, the, you know, fish would scurry <laughs> away, or you know, had some catfish. Had somebody who actually rescued a bass today. I don't know if you heard that story. Oh, huh? Yeah. So as somebody was, um, as somebody was doing their part of the cleanup, they came across fishing line, followed the fishing line, and there was a bass on it. Oh, and so no, they're able I didn't to, see that. yeah, they're able to actually release the bass off of it. So that was good. Oh, you know, a little bit of a uh, little, little bit of nice work there. Yeah. For me, it's important these places because one, I grew up, you know, I went to high school in a town about the size of Marsing, and so we had some of our own, you know, we had our own swimming holes and things like that. And this was 
I think now being a veteran, sometimes looking for places for tranquility, and you don't always find that. Or you'll find places mm-hmm. that have not been well kept. Or if the grounds have been well kept, we haven't done anything below the surface. And so today or we were able to get a lot of stuff out of, out of the way. Who else is hanging out there that you might not feel um, safe around? Right. You know, there's certain hot springs, um, you know, going out toward Adrian and stuff that some people don't always feel comfortable right. this is out there very, alone. This is very family-centric. And it's so close to town. I've got to imagine that people coming here have got to drive at least a little bit of the economy in yeah. Marsing. Absolutely. You know, we have a Subway and a Family Dollar now. That's <laughs> and awesome. <laughs> and by the way, I there's mean, people over there eating Subway, and I was like, where did they yeah. get that at? You know, we have a pizza place. We've got... So, um, as it grows and expands, yes, it does help the economy. More importantly, the people that retire here, they're not going anywhere. Right. This is their home. And you can come down here different days of the week and, like... Al, he's such an awesome guy. So I worked at the Orchard House for quite some time. And um, Al would come in every morning, and he was in the Korean War. Mm. And he's in his 80s. Try not to jerk a tear. He's such an awesome guy, and he still comes in all the time. But he comes down here, and he'll fish and cast a line. And he just loves people to talk to him. Right. He loves people to talk to him and loves to hear about their families, their kids, their, their life. Right. You know, um, to him, his wife passed away. He has not slept. He, he hasn't slept a single night since the Korean War. Wow. Not one. Never slept through the night. So... So, yeah, when you come down here and you talk to some of them and all they want is just just to have a friend to chat with in a tranquil place, just to not be so lonely. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it. it's a special place. Right. So, <laughs> now that I'm done jerking a tear, <laughs> okay. um, no, that's, but that's we good love Al. We love Al. He still um, goes <laughs> to the Orchard House every morning and you'll see him shake everybody's hand that comes in and ask how they're doing and you know it's people like that that make community right it's people like that that we should learn from and people like that that keep the heart in communities really so um yeah that's that's our veterans (laughs) out here um to see the different organizations that are willing to come out here and help help it expand bring resources and support i think at first people didn't believe it right they're kind of like what nobody remembers us out here you know we have the hope house where 90 children are we've got all these different really great nonprofits and organizations out here trying to make a better life for people and to see people coming out, you know, El Ada, we've got Red Cross comes out once a month. Um, all sorts of different things happen at the hub. To see these support from resources that forgot kind of where Marsing was is right. really phenomenal. Like, it's amazing. There's advantages to being off the map. 
but then there's disadvantages to being off the map. Yes. <laughs> hey, I want to switch gears just a little bit and touch in, into an area that you know very, very well, and that is sense of mission because of the work that you do with Team Rubicon. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, what, in, in your mind or in your opinion, why is it important or how is it important that veterans, when they get out, they still have that sense of mission and the, the need to serve? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, so in my experience, and I'm a Blue Star mom, um, I come from, you know, I have military family members. Um, I'm a first responder. But what I have seen is task and purpose. If people don't have the feeling of a task and a purpose, where's their, they don't have their hope. So once they get surrounded by that feeling with a task and a purpose and serving community, making, you know, serving something above themselves or greater than themselves, they come alive. They get involved. It's not easy when you go from having a task and a purpose and a sense of, you know, goals and a mission to now what do I do? So looking around and looking at your communities and your area and your state and saying, now I have, I have one. I have a task and purpose. I've got a reason to get out there and help because look at how it changed this or affected that person. You see people just really start to come alive. The thing with veterans that some people don't recognize in communities is they have such special skill sets. They have skill sets that at the drop of a dime, you know, a fire happens or something happens, they're going to know, okay, automatically, like, here's what you do. We needed this. We needed that. That that enhances and applied to communities makes the whole community a safer and a better place. Um, Yes, with Team Rubicon, it absolutely gives them a sense of of more than purpose. I mean, they're out there helping people on their worst day when a hurricane wipes the town off a map and they're mucking houses, whether it's chainsaw operations. And it can go both ways because some veterans say, all I want to do is pick up a shovel and help. Right. I want zero, you know, <laughs> zero leadership. Just, I just want to go help. Right. And for them, the camaraderie, the sense of team, being able to help people on their worst day is something that they missed for so long. Right. And then there's others that say, I have this amazing skill set that I can't just use in my community, but I can use it here. Right. And since I can use it here, we can build on that. We can grow. I mean, we the one operation we were on, Hurricane Michael, we were there probably eight or nine months. Um Florida, down Panama City, Mexico City Beach. And, I mean, we did things and went into towns that those towns weren't letting people in. Because anytime something like that happens, you also have, unfortunately, not so great people. Might slap a magnet on the side of their truck, come rolling in, I'll I'll help you out. First 200 down and I'll 200 when I'm done. Then they leave and never come back. 
or when they're mucking out people's houses, they just get whatever valuables they can find. So towns are very, very leery. Right. When they hear we have a group of veterans that are trained, volunteering their time, and serving with a sense of purpose and passion, they feel safe. They feel they can trust us. Right. And we get the job done, we do it correctly, and we leave them better than before we came. And, I mean, I can't tell you a hundred different stories that just, I mean, yeah, I'm a tearjerker because the person is just like, several times you hear things like, well, it's like hell came through here and then you guys came, heaven came in after because they feel like now they can move forward in their life. They don't have to sit there looking at their rubble and say, what am I going to do? You know, and we like to help veterans and first responders first. People with no insurance, um, people that can't get that house just back up and fixed. You know, we do we do debris clearing to schools, to hospitals, to all the major important stuff first. Veterans have such a valuable tool and resource to go in and do that because they know how to go in and clear. A right. zone. They know how to go in and say, here's a 10-foot, really literally, a 10-foot pile of trees thrown around like pixie sticks. How are we going to get to that, that hospital open so they can get the people out like that? And Within one day, it. it's done, it's organized, it's operated, it's bam, bam, bam. That's, it, it's phenomenal to see, you know. That's one of the things I really like about our, our dive group is that we can go in and we can divide and conquer and I think, in fact, you, you mentioned it, that's something that veterans have the ability to do. But also that ability, I know for me, my worst days were sometimes I was better soothed by doing something like either filling sandbags or clearing out debris. And I think coming out of the service, and I, I'm sure you probably see this with, with your veterans as well, that ability to kind of go inside yourself yes. and just do a task Yes. And not have anything. And I think sometimes that is very therapeutic. And sometimes working with your hands is therapeutic. And I'm sure that you guys are also seeing that. And I think that's why um, chainsaw operations are so... People in Team Rubicon, our volunteers, our gray shirts, love them. When you're out there, it's... Yeah, it's very therapeutic because it's you in the tree. You have your swamper, who's your spotter. And you've got that one focus and everything else in the world stops. Right. That is what diving does, by the way. <laughs> so the, the mission we had today of going out and searching is very therapeutic. You've got your hands in front of you. You're, you're feeling along on, you know, it's very tactile, right? It's just, it's just your hands and you're moving a, an inch forward at a time. But, man, I'll tell you what, when you find a bottle... <laughs> or you found a, a rusty beer can. I didn't get a chance to talk about this with the group. They were jazzed. Oh, man, it's like it's like you found the coolest prize in the bottom of the Cracker Jack box, right? It's that dopamine, and I think that you guys get that as well. You get that dopamine yeah. spike of I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and boom, I find it. And, of course, we get serotonin released when we come up here. Yeah. And, and we're kind of hanging out and just, you know, I think – I think in some environments they might call it fellowship. We we call it tribal time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where where do you see 
Neptune, from the outside looking in, and I know that you've followed us for quite a while. Yeah. From the outside looking in, where do you see or how do you perceive Neptune in the world of working with veterans? I perceive it as you're very critical. Um, how do I say this? So we, we can go out on an op. We can use skill sets, task and purpose. Yes, we have a wellness corner. Yes, we have. But post-deployment blues are a real thing. Right. And that still doesn't address when you get back home the healing therapies, the tranquility because now you're home you have to change your socks that dopamine rush that you're out there with your team for 10 days now you're back home and it's like it right so neptune warrior is so critical and crucial for that not only that post-deployment blues but the therapeutical and the healing and who can they be with when they're home what, what groups and organizations can they be a part of that still furthers their cause of being healed as a veteran, but growing, getting more skills, more skill-oriented, and doing something good for someone else? That's super huge. We don't need any more losses. Right. You know? Way too many. Absolutely, yeah. way too many. And, and you know, we talk about the suicide loss, but then there's also that loss of heart. And I think that's where, we've, where we're kind of symbiotic in our, in our missions. Yeah. That when you find a purpose, you kind of regain your heart. And, you know, I've read, you know, I've seen other, mm-hmm. in fact, John Elridge, who wrote a book called Wild at Heart, talks about that. And he, and he addressed the book more towards men. It's more of a, a, a men's psychology book. But he talked about that you have to have a battle to fight an adventure to live and a beauty to rescue. And for us, that that kind of ties back into a lot of things of, all right, we've got things that we need to, to make better here in our local community. So that's that battle or fight. Mm-hmm. Adventure for us, you know, diving is, is highly adventurous. And maybe the beauty happens to be a wonderful park like this. Maybe it's not a person. It's more of a purpose. Absolutely. Um, you know, and... Uh, I know this is a, it's kind of a tough topic to get into. People have asked me before, what do I think will make the difference in, in subjects such as like 22 a day? And I, I've done a lot of research, been in, involved in a lot of, you know, intensive organizations about this topic. And my answer from me that I believe is community. Right. Sense of belonging, a sense of community, and that that's not just the community you live in, but the people around you. Like, I feel like in Treasure Valley, we have like 55 different, you know, veteran organizations. Each one has a different, you know, purpose or genre. You know, um, your water dive, we're disaster response, um, Team Red, White, and Blue is you know they're doing the walks and the physical and so for people here they have such an opportunity to find something community wise to just have arms folded around them but not every community has that right 
you know. Um, we have a lot of gray shirts. So I'm the membership coordinator for our general area territory, which is Idaho, Utah, Montana, South Dakota, and North Dakota. Wow. So we, we, I feel like we're super blessed here because of the wealth of resource and it's organized, you know, like Treasure Valley joining forces, you know, you could get a manual. You, you're not going to find that in the rural Montana. Right. You're not going to find that in... And I think that is very hard, well, and even very hard for being veterans. Being geographically dispersed like Marcin is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and again, I mean, you've got a great resource right here for when the weather's nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Snow and uh, things of that nature. What happens when they need wood? What right. happens if they need food delivered to them? They don't know where to reach out to. Right. They don't know what resources they have. And that leads me back to community again as well. If you've got, you know, a wealth of resources in your community, put them together and get them in the hands of veterans. Even if they say they don't need anything, that might be sitting right there on their coffee table. And someday if they need to make a call, my glass is broke, I'm blind, I can't see, or right. I'm sick, I need food. They have a resource and, and, and that's manual. Why, that's why being involved in community before those needs comes up is so important because as veterans, we're very difficult. You know, it's difficult for us to actually say we need help because... It's always been, hey, I got this. Even though we talk about teams yeah. and even though we talk about having someone's back when it comes down to you as the individual, and I know I'm bad about this as well. I don't <laughs> ask, I don't always ask for help. I'm getting better about it. So, yeah, me either. And uh, tell me if you agree with this. Another reason it's so important for veterans and organizations like yourself to reach out to veterans is because veterans talk to veterans different. Oh, absolutely. You can get into a like my neighbor who just passed away, he was an elder and he was a Marine. You could get into his house before I could de deliver him a sandwich, I'm telling you. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> and, and yeah. so, I mean, we, we have what we call our kick-ass uh, volunteers or kick-ass civilians that all they do is they love veterans. They didn't serve, they weren't a first responder. A lot of them, either something else came up in life or they just chose a different path and that's and that's fine absolutely, too absolutely yeah that's why on the, on the jackets i don't know if you noticed this today but on the jackets there's no rank there's no cool schools no. Uh, there's no military affiliations because yeah. i don't want people to know the difference however when it does come when i've got some veterans that or i've got a veteran that i know i'm working with just breathe therapy all i want to do is get him in the water kind of open up that box get him or her talking do some somatic breathing, do some underwater yoga, find their safe space, their safe place. I don't like the word safe space because that sounds, yeah. you know, there's yeah. negative connotations to it. But find that place where they are okay talking to you. 99 times out of 100, they're going to speak to a veteran, either just speak to the veteran or speak to them differently. And yes. I And I have a hard time conveying that to my volunteers. It's like, Hey, it's not that we don't want you for that. I, would, <laughs> I love having you there, but at least on this first attempt, let me get in the water with a veteran. Yeah. And it, it tends to open, but you're absolutely right. They do speak with veterans differently. <laughs> e yeah. Even, you know, even if Marines speak to Marines, they, they just understand something that. There's a report. You know, there. yeah, there's a yeah. report and they will open up and be more likely to join and be a part of the community in these things because they know that rapport is there. Right, right. You know, so 
it's very valuable. Yeah. Very valuable to have organizations as such as yourself there to support and talk to them because that conversation can't just happen from anyone. Right. We do, we do run into that issue. You know, you're talking about, you know, being there to support. That's one of the issues we do run into because, as you can tell with the dive gear, it's pretty, I mean, every <laughs> every dive out here has got at least $2,000 of gear on. Yeah. And then the early, you know, we have to have a compressor and things like that. So we've always run up against those problems. And that's why, even though we're six years old, I can't believe how, how far we've come. But it's because of those giving communities and veterans and civilians and, and things like that that have really helped us uh, uh, branch, yeah. our, branch our mission out. So. Thank you so much for all the history that you gave on this, and I appreciate the insight on, on mission. Absolutely. And we'll have you to know. get back on here. I want to get back on here and talk specifically about Team Rubicon at some point. You bet. Hey, so. I, I try to be free as much as I can. Um, You've got a crazy right schedule. Right now is my, yeah, my busy season, but I think educating, empowering, and advocating, that's my three main goals right. in sharing so cool well thank you yeah. thank you so much you're welcome all right folks hey thank you kim again for being on having a sense of mission for veterans is really we have to have that i know that when i got out of the military i was lost and i went from being sergeant anderson to not being worthy to run the copier or get coffee it seemed like or or what I did was minimized and that's one of the things that we don't want for our veterans because when you start to minimize their abilities you take away that sense of purpose and everything else crumbles after that so keep in mind if you've got veterans around you there's a lot more that you can do other than just say thank you for your service it's actually put them into service and with that I'll leave you here so remember as long as you've got air you're all right.